Hello everyone and welcome to the 343 Football Podcast. This is going to be our very first episode of the podcast and the idea is to bring you across some football debates, look at the weekend's action and occasionally dabble into the light-hearted nature of football. Joining me today, I've got Qudama. Hello. I've got Daud. Hello. And I've got Ali. Hi. I'm your host, Jaffa. Now, we'll kick things off because it was the Champions League in midweek. And I do want to go through some of the more notable results, starting with the very famous first victory in the Champions League for Turkish club Istanbul Başakşehir, as they beat Man United 2-1 at home. Now, this was a shock result, no matter what way you put it, especially when you consider that PSG and RB Leipzig, who are more notable opponents, fell to Man United. They went away to Turkey, everything thought, you know, routine victory, possibly a draw at worst, but to be embarrassed 2-1 and the nature of the first goal sort of typified the result as well. So let's get into it, and I'll come to doubt on this one because you're the Man United fan, and I'd like to get your take on how that match went. Well, we were on a high with winning against uh, RB Leipzig, a very convincing win as against PSG as well, and then losing the way we did to Istanbul. Um, I'm not going to um, try pronouncing the second bit. But Basak Sahir? Basak Sahir. Basak Sahir. I think you should, um, to be honest, because I think a lot of... The Istanbul uh, residents uh, don't yeah. actually refer to refer to the refer to the team as Istanbul. Istanbul, I know, I know. The team with no fans. Um, exactly. Well, yeah. So it, it was it was it was a terrible terrible match uh, as a United fan watching Maguire being completely out of place for both goals. Um, I don't know what Nemanja Matic was doing for the first goal, and he wasn't tracking Bar. I mean, really good finish from Bar. I mean, we were, we were accustomed to that when he was at the Premier League. Very nice uh, finish in the in corner. In a way, it was a kind of a, a mirror image of his uh, famous goal against um, Liverpool, wasn't it? With the Gerrard slip. Yeah. The, yeah. Full, the full halfway line, he's got it. He's, he's he's had experience in that exact same situation and tucked it away very confidently. Oh, yeah, exactly. And um, and But then, I don't know if you guys seen that picture going around. Yeah, I think uh, we've seen it. With all the defenders that won... Uh, at the at the winger, I think it was Cavetti on the side, and it's just it's just so so demoralising. Like you would think, as a Premier League team, um, we 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 would have positioning of defenders right. It was like Maguire was like, oh shit! Like they, they, we've got they've got the ball. We need to all go and uh, team up on them. Three defenders pulled away. And what bar let it, let it slip through his legs, and then obviously uh, Visca came, and it was a beautiful finish. To be fair, um, are you talking about the second goal? Now? Yeah, the second yeah. goal. It's crack, cracking finish. Like yeah, that. oh, it was just it was horrible. It was horrible to watch. And uh, Tuan Zabia, I think um, prior to that could have had a red card with taken down bar. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, I think. Doing that type of cha- challenge with the preset of having VAR now, you're always at risk of getting that red card and getting sent off. But I did think um, it wasn't. W- w- I mean, what did you guys think? Do you think it was a it was a foul as per se? I know he put his arm on him, but I thought it was a bit soft. I think it could have been a red. Um, I don't think we, like too many people are going to feel, you know, too hard done by seeing it uh, a yellow given for that, but. It just shows that throughout the game, United's defense was just lacked, and they have for a while lacked any like solidity, any shape. I don't know what Oli's doing, but I think that's definitely on the manager. It's interesting you said to, at the start that uh, you were on a high from the Champions League the, the previous week. 
I thought uh, United fans would be a bit more pessimistic going into that game given the weekend's result. And now it's like compounded even more by that like embarrassing result in Istanbul. Well, it's, it's different playing against Arsenal than it is the Basakshi here. Yeah, yeah, it? definitely. Um, I think anybody in the in the competition would fear themselves on the day if they played well. Um, and being Man United, I I thought they were just probably gonna go there and just you know roll them over. Yet they came out and showed the grit and they showed that we're not a team to be messed around with. And it kind of leaves the table a bit open now, isn't it? Because uh, Leipzig won against PSG. PSG are in the dire straits here with Istanbul, Mishakshi here. Um, and whereas Man United and RB Leipzig are probably a bit more comfortable com- yeah. coming to I mean, getting. So let's touch on that actually, because the group now it does, it does look very unfavourable for PSG. You've got their 2 1 defeat. You've got, um, was it Kimpembe who got the red card at the end as well? Oh my yeah. God! So Did you guys they, see that? Would you, would you actually back um, RB Leipzig to get the uh, qualification spot over PSG, Ali? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, PSG just haven't looked the same team that they were last year, and I think Neymar and Mbappe are injured now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. they're both injured. They're both injured. So obviously, the intense season they had last year and coming into this season, and those injuries are piling up. And what happened with Manchester United, the upset with Istanbul Basaksehir, um, it's the upset of the season. It's wide open. You know, people said this is a group of death and Leipzig will go through. There's no doubt about that. They've got a great team. They were unfortunate against Manchester United. You know, um, they had opportunities, just didn't take them. And against PSG, they played well. They kept a clean sheet against Istanbul. So, overall... Um, Leipzig will go forward and I think maybe Istanbul might go through second. It you reckon be, there's a chance that both PSG and United miss out? There's uh, there's a possibility United can miss out. They're not looking like the Manchester United they were 10 years ago. There's a possibility Man United um, could do the most amazing uh, thing on the pitch and then the next game they will lose against bloody, you know... Well, that's like, definitely been... The, like Brighton 3-0 or the something. The slogan of Oli's... Uh, Tenure almost the lack of consistency in that sense. team. Yeah. One week you look like you know what these 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 guys look like they can challenge for the title again, and people start like overhyping them. And then the next week everyone's thinking relegation. Really, Oli could lead them to that. It's Jekyll and Hyde performances all over the pitch. And now I'm glad you've touched on Oli's situation there, Khadem, because we will be getting a little bit more in depth about that later on. We're going to do a little debate segment. Um, you can actually catch snippets of our other debate segments on the YouTube channel, The Dressing Room. At the moment, we've got a couple of ones uploaded about the Ozil situation uh, with Arsenal and the Deli Ali situation at Tottenham as well. So check those out if you want to have a look on top of listening to this full episode. Now, another result I do want to touch on with the Champions League, Real Madrid into Milan. Now, that's a, it's a very star-studded fixture when you think about those two teams. But those two teams are not really clear runaways of the group at the moment. You've got Inter Milan, who seem to be struggling, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach all of a sudden with that 6-0 victory are looking like the hot, the hot team to go through so Khadim I do want to discuss with you in terms of Real Madrid and the, what you saw was that an improvement on the first two games and do you think they'll be okay now that they actually got the crucial victory in this one yeah I think like first of I mentioned that group so far has definitely been my favourite in the Champions League like the games that, that have, uh, have happened have all been like proper fun to watch I think with Real Madrid in the Champions League there's just something about them that you can never write them off like they had a slow start this season and they missed uh, Ramos in the game against Shakhtar but now that he's back it shows that they can edge out those performances and they can like force their opposition into giving away goals like you saw against Mönchengladbach where it looked like they were about to lose their second game in a row but again in that in that in that uh, competition Real Madrid is just unmatched so I'd, I think 
they'll they've struggled, yeah, but when it they'll make it through the groups not as comfortably as they'd have liked, and then when it gets to the knockouts, it's the knockouts, yeah, anything yeah. can happen. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll see them there. I think it'll take a massive, massive upset not to I think for me, progress. it's no it's no coincidence that losing Ronaldo, ever since then, they've not really been look that impressive as a whole in the competition. Yes, they've progressed to the knockout stages, but now when you think about it, the impact of Benzema, Casemiro and Sergio Ramos are so crucial. If any of those three are suspended or having an off night, you can spell trouble for Real Madrid. And That's I think, the main spine, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. and so they've, they've still got that quality, that season through games. I'm not even talking about their football quality, but the mentality of the players. Yeah. Like, Sergio Ramos, as a leader, is, is unmatched, Phenomenal. in my opinion. Like, think about any other captain who's led his team through so many glory periods, and he seems to be at the centre point of that. And I really think he's up there. You can point to maybe in the past a lot of players for yeah, most successful definitely. teams, but yeah, because Sergio it, Ramos. I know what you mean. It... it some people become uh, a shadow of themselves of their former glory and he still looks like he's well up there fighting for his position and even fighting for the team in terms of getting some silverware. So yeah, I agree completely and I I, I think Inter Milan weren't playing that great uh, in that match uh, against Real Madrid and I, I think Real Madrid winning 3-2 um, on a different day would have been a lot more even. Um, I, I, I genuinely think Inter Milan were a bit... Um, I don't know. To be honest, Haphazard. They, watching the game, they had their chances, though. Yeah, I think they that, did. Um, Martinez did have his chances. He could have finished them. Sometimes, off. honestly, a match comes down to: Did you take a chance? So every team has like a you know yeah. a back and forth uh, with attacks. Yeah, Inter mean. Milan had them. They, I think there was a was it was it Perisic who had that really close miss, or was it Martinez? I can't remember specifically. Uh, Martinez, 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 yeah, yeah. And he, had, he had two shots at the end where he could have yeah. he could have um, flipped it the other way, um, and then Rodrigo with a beautiful finish um, uh, when Vinicius. Um, I, I don't know if he was actually trying to pick him out. No, there's definitely a, a pass like. You think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was like what Bar did with um, against uh, against us, um, where he let it go, and then obviously um, and they scored. No, so, but I do I do agree with Java. Like uh, we watched the game together, and it definitely did come down. Like as simplistic as it is in football, it's just both teams created chances. Real Madrid took theirs, and they took the three points. Yeah, I think Inter Milan uh, just seemed to lack what the great teams need to edge out those results. Yeah, but you need to remember, this is a Jose Mourinho derby, first of all. Yeah. In the Milan and Real Madrid, and Antonio Conte isn't really good in European football. He showed that Juventus and Chelsea. So is he going to make a difference, helping Inter Milan get further in Champions League? Or is he going to drop in the Europa League? Because Marco Rose and Borussia Mönchengladbach are looking amazing. Yeah, I disagree. I think the team that Inter Milan have at the moment um, are definitely... Um, a top flight team to an extent where they could be fighting for the Champions League every year. It's that, it's that there's something just stopping them, that little edge that's making them, yeah, Lukaku is the, well, he is the hot prospect of the whole, of all of Europe. So is Lutaro Martinez. Like, it's just something, and I don't know what to put my finger on, but there's always something that within Milan, it just seems like it's just a little bit short to actually put them in the top five teams of of the world. It, it's not in Milan, it's Antonio Conte, like I said. Inter Milan 10 years ago won a treble, just remember that. Yeah, but it was a completely different team. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do like the fact that you're bringing up Conte there, because for me, I feel like Inter Milan are a little bit, in a little bit of a low point at the moment, because under Conte, they've largely been impressive. Yeah, yeah. Yes, they haven't won anything significant or done any damage yet, but they ran Juventus close last year, yeah. they got to the Europa League final, and those are commendable things. But now at the moment as well, contrast that with the form of AC Milan, who seem to be looking good again, who <laughs> used to... I feel like over the last couple of years, has it not felt like Inter Milan have got the upper hand on AC Milan? I, I, well, like I definitely think they have. Uh, sorry, but um, 
but with AC Milan, I think the biggest thing is the Ibrahimovic effect. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. I think, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here, I think if you look at both Milan teams, there's a lot of young talent as well as, you know, the quote-unquote old god. And the difference between Milan and Inter at the minute is that the senior players in AC are pulling their weight. They're dragging them to that, like, extra yard, like that extra yard. Whereas you look at Inter Milan, you know, Barella, Martinez, quality players, but they're going to show that inconsistency that young players tend to have. And, and it's their senior players that need to step up more. And you look over, you know, to AC Milan and Ibrahimovic just won Serie A Player of the Month. He's, he's the difference right now. You need to remember Ibrahimovic. What he actually does is he puts all the pressure on his own shoulders. So all these young, exciting players like Tonali at AC Milan, they don't have any pressure, so they're playing with no pressure at all and with freedom. Whilst Inter Milan, they've brought in experienced players. They've brought back Perisic. Obviously, yeah. when they brought Lukaku, he, he's he's in his mid-20s, but he's experienced Very experienced, player. yeah. Um, they brought in Godin a year ago, and now he's went. You know, Conte needs this. That was something. He just seems very puzzled and he just wants to win something similar to what Jose Mourinho does. But he's not getting out what he should with this Inter Milan team. I, I agree. Well, that's what the same with Pep, isn't yeah. it? They just they still keep it tinkering, still getting there. Um but in terms of uh, what you're saying with uh, Ibrahimovic, um I think it came out the other day where he said about um the experienced players taking on the responsibility. Uh, it's not verbatim by the way, um but he's wanting the younger players just to play and have fun and actually experience everything. Yeah. It's the it's the older players that need to take the responsibility of the losses and actually work towards gearing up. I think with what Ali's mentioning there about pressure, I think that's the most uh, kind of salient point because the pressure at AC Milan at the moment, if you look at it, last season, they didn't want the manager that they had, Pioli. They, they weren't happy with him and they wanted Rangnick. Rang 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 yeah, yeah, that's and correct. Things, so their form became you know pretty decent. They were like, okay, he's doing well and they kept him on. So it's the AC Milan story and the way that they've structured their team is more like, okay, we've stumbled onto something good here. Let's keep the good vibes going. Whereas Inter Milan are like, we need to get back to form of glory. Let's get Conte in. Let's get Lukaku in. Let's get Nangolan in. Let's get Godin in. These are big names. And it hasn't quite worked to the effect where they've achieved success, even though they are looking marginally better than two or three years ago when they had a, a, a bit of a, an inspiring squad and mm -hmm. an inspiring tactics and manager. So they've, they've improved as a club. But I think they've added a certain pressure onto them that they may not necessarily be able to meet. What I think is quite interesting is four or five years ago, where Inter Milan or AC Milan were, in, te in terms of the financial power, they looked to spend a lot of money, they brought players in and they just didn't work. I remember Balotelli being there, Honda being there, they tried bringing experienced players. Not, yeah. the, not at the top class, top, yeah, sorry about that, uh, top class quality, but they tried doing that, what Inter Milan are trying to do right now. So what AC Milan are doing right now is great and... I hope they win Syria because they're playing amazing football. All the pressure's off the young talent. And AC Milan were a super club 10, 15 years ago. It'd be nice yeah. to see him win trophies yeah. again. But I do want to make one point about uh, what you said about some like AC Milan seem to have stumbled upon something. I think that's a bit unfair to Maldini. I think he was the one that, uh, when they wanted to bring in Ragnarok, he fought and said, no, Pioli is, is the man for the job. And, uh, you know, they, they brought him in as sporting director you know, to like kind of oversee that post uh, Berlusconi era and it seems to be paying off already. Yeah, I mean, I do see what you're saying there. What I meant was, so they, they had the overall plan to bring in Rangin again and I'm sure there was going to be some sort of recruitment drive centred around him. Yeah. But now they're happy with what, because they started playing well, they're like, okay, we'll, we'll do an executive decision to keep him. But that wasn't the overall initial plan, which is not, it's good in a way because they're adjusting and they're doing something different. But I meant like Inter Milan kind of, they, they had something going. They made, they, made, they made all the moves to get Conte and all the moves to get those players. Whereas AC Milan, even though they kind of want to do something big, realised 
that actually they might have a change of tact and it, it seems to have worked out better for them because it didn't it doesn't seem to have been like didn't impose as much pressure on themselves as in Inter Milan did. Yeah, it's interesting. It seems to have like that that kind of luck seems to happen quite a lot. I mean, it happened with Oli. He came, he came in as interim, you know, did well off the bounce and then they just kept him on. And if I'm not mistaken, was it the same case with Flick Bayern where he came into Hansi Flick, yeah. yeah. He came as interim and then he just told him till the end of the season and obviously look what he's doing with Bayern, won a treble. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder what kind of leads to that, like uh, the, that the, new manager bounce. The, you know, the yeah. differences between Pioli and Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is Pioli is a bit clued up when it comes to basic coaching. Don't think Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer hasn't really um, had much top flight experience. I think it's th- uh, the other thing as well, the Man United effect. Um, he's he's obviously trying to emulate. Um, a rebuild. He's trying to do a rebuilding job at the same time, trying to perform on the pitch as well and get the results. I think um, it just it, it can't go both ways. Yeah, we'll we'll touch on that in, in full later on. But I do want to touch on one last Champions League game. We've got Atalanta at home to Liverpool, where they lost five nil. Now, the interesting thing, and I think everyone earmarked this, the pundits, all the kind of fans, was Atalanta's style seems to be perfect for Liverpool's style in terms of not just winning a game but absolutely blitzing a team. So. Ali, having watched that game, I'm sure as a Liverpool fan, can I ask you, were Atalanta sticking to their identity? Was that a mistake or was it kind of, you know, they, they couldn't even learn how to play defensively in Park the Bus if they wanted to, so they might as well see what their own approach would have got them in that game? Yeah, I'd say that. Um, why change the style, which has always been working. Yeah, sometimes they've been taking heavy losses. Earlier this season, they took one, I think it was against Napoli. Yeah, 4-0 they took, it was. They took a 4-0 hammer in, within 20 minutes it was as well. Um, it was something similar where Diego Jota ran the ran the game basically, you know. Uh, play Liverpool played amazing football. Atlanta did have chances. They just didn't take them. That's all it was. It could have been it could have been five two or five three. It's just Liverpool were more clinical. Now sticking on the Liverpool theme, uh, a debate point you've got over recent months is: Is Firmino outside of his general link of play and his very intelligent forward play? not contributing enough goals, should Jota actually be the starting striker from now on based on his kind of impact so far? I think it depends what team and what system Klopp needs to play. If he's going to play someone like Manchester City in the, on the weekend, he should start Firmino. Yeah, I 100% agree. That's what I think. But if you're going to play someone such as Burnley or maybe Newcastle United, get Diego Jota in and get the goals in, then you could take him off, rest him. Bring Firmino on, bring Shakiri on, bring Origi on to take a bit of pressure off the other players. I think I think Diego Jota is the direct um, competition for uh, Firmino, Salah, but, but he isn't. He isn't. He pl- he plays on the left wing. Oh. He's not really direct competition. He would get in that Portugal squad, but Cristiano Ronaldo plays in his position. He does, but I I'm, I mean in terms of it being uh, Shakiri or. Um, uh, what you call it, uh, Origi. Um, I think Jota has propelled himself of right course, up there to get his. Food. He's forty-five million quid. What do you expect? You're gonna play him? No, no yeah. but I mean the way he's playing, the way he's playing, and what how how the gig and press for Klopp is. He's he's a non-stop workhorse. This yeah. isn't credit. This is what I'm trying to say. This is credit to Pep Linders. Linders, I think that's what his name is. Klopp's assistant coach. He saw him at Porto and brought him in. Well, he's been playing like similar to this at Wolves as well, though. Yeah, but. Uh, Pepper knew No, I think, I think Jota was a lot more streaky for Wolves. He'd have some, like, periods of say he'd get a hat-trick, do really well for a couple more games, and then go totally silent. And Do you think it that could that be that a Wolves thing, so he's yeah. in a position to evolve his game at Liverpool. 
Shatelli, uh, who also went through that as well. Another player called Sadio Mane. Yeah. Exactly the same as Southampton. He was very hot at the start. When it came to winter, he was a bit cold. At the end, he started <laughs> go scoring goals again. Jota is only 23, right? So that kind of inconsistency you kind of expect, especially yeah. from forwards. Like, you know, scoring every week, contributing every week is something that we've, we've come to expect, you know, because Messi and Ronaldo have warped our expectations. But if you look at it throughout the season, he's... His uh, output for Wolves was still very, very respectable. For me, Immortals, it's it's uh, very respectable, yeah, isn't exactly. it? Yeah, Yeah, no, I agree. Um, no, I think he's. To be honest, I think I'm a you know a big believer in playing players on based on form, and I think you know heading into the City game on the, in the, on the weekend, I'd definitely choose Jota. Why are we starting Maguire then? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I don't think that. Um, it depends how the game goes. Play for me, you know, if you need goals, you bring Jota down. That's what can he's I, been doing. Can he's I been just say as well? Like he has, sorry, just cut in there. I feel like the, the pace he has as well, and you know, City's defensive really is the high line. I feel like he could be, you know, the perfect uh, secret, you know, that uh, clock and super sub. He'll be the super sub then. Maybe. That's what I was thinking. You, you, have to, you have to see the game and try and have the feels for it. And Firmino is a safe bet, isn't it? He's, he's very intelligent the way he brings um, the ball forward and the way he starts a counter attack. So. I think uh, any any manager that wants to see and feel how the match will go will probably put Firmino on. Plus, before anyone says anything else, I want to make clear that Firmino does a lot more hard work. With Liverpool's oh, defence yeah. right now, you know, you, you might need that extra man in midfield. You yeah, could drop in, play what, a, a 4-4-2 diamond, have striker Mane up front. I mean, Salah Mane, striker Mane. Well, uh, ahead of our next podcast, it'll be interesting to discuss that game, Manchester City against Liverpool, and see what the impact of the striker was, who Klopp goes for, and how they do. Yeah. Now, moving away from the Champions League results, let's get into a, an interesting debate that's been coming through you know, in recent months, because at the moment, you've got a treble-winning Bayern Munich, whose identity is, well, of course, they're an amazing football team, but when you when you want to like kind of talk about what qualities shine most when you watch their team, it feels like it's their physical qualities, their running stats, the way that they are dominating players on the pitch, the quick counter attacks, the direct football. And another treble winning team in 2009 was Barcelona, where the discussion was more around about their technical passing, you know, a, a lot more of a, it's just everything was more about the tactics, tiki taka was the phrase that came about. Uh, and it's just it, it feels like two totally different teams that are having a similar level of success. You know, you could say a generation later. So I do want to kind of just the the question of the debate is, what is more, you know, a kind of an ingredient to success these days to build a team that's based on their technical prowess or their physical prowess? And uh, to kick us off, Kodema, what what would be your take on that one? I think there's definitely been a sort of power shift in terms of, uh, you know, the top top level of football where teams now are definitely opting for a more high press, high energy, you know, cover all uh, all of the pitch kind of style of football. And if you look at the last two Champions League winners, Liverpool and Bayern Munich typify that. But we've also seen it coming, maybe we've seen the fruits of it now in terms of like success, but we've also seen it coming for a while, you know, with the death of the, the number 10 in football and the lack of or more teams opting for a 4-3-3 over a 4-2-3-1, operating without a 10. So I think, yeah, it's it's probably the top, the way to play now if you're looking to win trophies. But I don't think it's going to be as sustainable uh, throughout a season. And like these players now are playing so many games in a season, you know, trying to, you know, you saw it with Leeds in the Championship sometimes before they managed to get promoted where Bielsa operated under a similar system. And eventually the players would always kind of tire out and, yeah. They'd feel again promotion, and 
I think that'll probably happen at some point where teams will figure out how to break the press more likely and then expending all that energy will just end up costing them points. Yeah, I think you're talking about a situation where there might be a tactical evolution down the line that kind of manages to nullify the physical superiority of a team, but I still haven't seen it yet, to be honest. All I'm seeing is, for example, the 8-2 defeat where Bayern Munich absolutely destroyed Barcelona. I just felt like I was watching a physical monster totally dominate like a schoolboy team. It, yeah. was, it, it wasn't just about you know Lewandowski having a better night than Messi or David Oliver having a better night than Longley. It was just this physical superiority. They were running at it. Did you... Um, it's like for me and I'm thinking is football going to be like that for a couple more years or a few more years or is there going to be a new trend that we don't even kind of know yet because when you talk about physical and technical qualities you know they they could coexist can't they yeah for example you've got um, one of the players I would mention here is um, for Philip Coutinho where he was kind of he signed um, he playing amazingly well, what do you mean by the physical stats because there could be a, an argument that uh, Burnley are very physical yeah, um, no, I don't, but are I don't they necessarily really physical mean, in terms of pace? Though? I don't necessarily mean physical as in being rough against your opposition, but just like the, the athleticism. Yeah. yeah, I think the athleticism. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, that that is the major point. Like yeah. Thiago, that went to Liverpool. He's he's probably one of the most athletic uh, midfielders out there. And then his technical abilities are, you know, rivaled to Xavi and Iniesta at, the, at, the, yeah. at their peak. Well, that's why I was going to mention Coutinho because, for example, after he left Liverpool, falling out favour of Barcelona, has a loan spell at Bayern Munich, all of a sudden he bulks up, has a key role in the Champions League size, small to medium. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> without kind of getting too much into how he bulked up, it's uh, it's just interesting to see that like his physical profile improved and as a result, his kind of stature has improved. And now he's back at Barcelona and he's, although he's out injured at the moment, he had a very strong start in terms he, of uh, slotting into Koeman's team. He did, but um, do you know the thing is because the rest of the players are a bit mm, lackadaisical. Um, at Barcelona yeah. so he came from like a winning mentality team winning mentality. Like, okay, he's like, instantly shines. He's like, what you guys train like this <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting I think um, one aspect that's led to that is if you look at football now and you look at teams the way they set up creative players are just almost a nuisance for a manager you know you look at someone who's like you know James Rodriguez struggled for a bit and players like him even Messi at Barcelona now questions started being asked is he actually you know, a detriment to the team in a way. And that's, I think managers now and even fan bases expect the team to have a system and an identity and they put that above all else. So when it comes to creative players, they just act at, like the expense of that because they say, yeah. well, we can't afford to have him in our system. We ca Like we can't afford to play the way we play with that player. So I think that's what's led to it as well. You can, I'd say physical players are more adaptable than technical players. Yeah. So I, I agree with that. If you look, not just but doesn't, but doesn't technical ability come with uh, the mental ability of like you know g going with the identity of what? Maybe a cut in because passes through to have the defense, some but in terms of to like have some creativity, you need some you need a good mental intuition. Yeah, f for sure. But I mean, in terms of tactical astuteness, like a player who's creative tends to be a little less disciplined. But uh, sorry, you were, you were going to build on Kudem's point there. But what I was about to say is, if you look not just at Bayern Munich. At Liverpool, if you if you look at the hard-working team Jurgen Klopp's brought in, he only brings in players which fit his system. Exactly, yeah. This That's the point that I was going to bring in. And Bayern Munich are going with the same philosophy, and I think that's just throughout the whole Bundesliga. I don't think it's yeah. just Bayern Munich and Liverpool. I mean, just on that technical, physical thing, at Liverpool, again, you've got Shaqiri, who, OK, he's not a world-beater, but he's, he's an excellent player. You see, yeah. he's cut off the size player. of my thighs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's not, like, he's not going to, like, do you know what I mean, kind of, 
he still looks like a small diminutive technical player even though yeah you're right his, his physical profile is Did pretty good Did you see good. the through ball pass he yeah, but how come good. Shakiri isn't a starter then? Why is he not the reliance player? Why is it the other guys, you know, like the stronger runners enough. of Salah Mane? Is it just purely his football ability? Or do you think that his physical profile again, even though he is a strong player, but it's just because he's small, he won't be able to do the sort of channel running that Mane and Salah do and bring more to the I team? I think Shakiri's more of an explosive player. So when you want to bring him off the bench, he might help. Um, is he hard working as Mane and Salah? And people say, oh, Salah's lazy, but I've seen him track back in his own penalty box many times. So it just it just depends on what system is played. Like you say, if you want to bring him off the bench, he's going to be a better player than being a starter. I think this is what Kodama says, is the creativity is actually detrimental to the identity. Whereas you can see Shakiri, he's always trying a few different balls. He's trying those through balls. They don't come off all the time. Yeah. And that uh, ruins the the counter-attack and pr- um, the counter-attack and that ruins the way that um, probably Klopp wants to push the players up. Exactly, yeah. Um, and uh, you, you, you see at every club he's been to, he, it's, it, it's a bit like he, he's looking at things in a different way compared to what the other players are. Maybe that in that aspect, um, like you said, a super sub, bringing something on, he's explosive, he tries something new, and then the players have been playing with the Liverpool team for 60 minutes and thinking, oh, Shakiri's on, now he's changing up a little bit. This is why I think Jota should be on the bench on Saturday. Uh, oh, yeah, I agree. He should be on the bench on Saturday. Uh, I think Firmino should play. But to, to counter that, like, uh, you know, you were saying, like, I wonder how many more years am I going to see this type of football? You know, I, I'm guessing you're alluding to the fact that maybe for you as a personal preference, you know, that technical football is more, you know, fun to watch. But if you look at the, like, best players now, under 21, under 23, they're not really all that physical, you know, barring maybe... Alfonso Davies, who's a physical beast. Like you look at the likes of you know, Camavinga, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Mbappe, Joao Felix. They're all very. I, th- like, I think Mbappe is a physical monster. Okay, yeah, yeah, Mbappe, yeah. and Camavinga is he's, he's a physical but monster. As well. Still, Fatty and Fatty, they're all like I've never been technically. You know, Awar, uh, Leon, yeah. Mason Mount as well. Like uh, Jaden Sancho, you, know, you could probably. Yeah, Havertz, a bit, Havertz as well. They're not the most physical players, but yeah. they're very technical. I mean, just on Mbappe, I've never been more scared of a situation I wasn't involved in than when he ran straight at Argentina's defense in the World <laughs> Cup and yeah. did that penalty. Yeah, I do not know who could have stopped that run. Maybe a train couldn't have stopped that run. It was just ridiculous and. Uh, for me, Mbappe came on like a freak of nature, like just to- dominating football from 17 and winning a World Cup at 18. Uh, I don't well, know if you can yeah, see that's that. That's what the maybe teenage mutant trails are. They were mutants, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, maybe Alfonso Davies and Mbappe. Donatello. But if you look but at the rest of them, they're not all that I do. I, I see what you mean, though. Definitely, there's some proper, lovely technical players. Yeah, there. right now, well, that's Zerxes a coming on he, for Bayern. He's, 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 if, he's bloody If he's going to talk about uh, physical presence... Look at Haaland, that's all I'm saying. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, well, is Haaland genetically engineered? Was he made in a lab? That's what people are asking. He looks like it. Definitely looks like it. But the way, he, the way he replies to um, interviewers' questions, it looks like he's a robot. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's go on that tangent. Let's like, go on that like, tangent. Like processing um, what they're saying. What, what is going on with Haaland? Like, so, okay, he developed a reputation for kind of being very non committal and casual in interviews. So now, interviewers are asking him, Are you going to score tonight? You know, alluding to the other type you know, of scoring. You know what they asked him? I think it was last week's Chapman Music game. I couldn't remember. They asked him, Are you going to, are you sleeping alone in bed tonight? I think that was yesterday. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, What the heck? No, this I, is so, this is what Jaffa was talking about. Yeah. The I read a comment that like tried to explain the, uh, like what the report is, like what was going through his mind. And like he, he asked it in a very bad way, but I think it was Haaland's own, own doing when he said, Oh, when he got he said, a hat trick. If he gets a hat trick, then the ball sleeps in. You know, he sleeps with the ball that night. 
So I think what the commentator was saying, you only managed to bag a brace, so that ball's not coming home with you, so you're going to be sleeping alone. But I think you're right, because he, he said score, so it sounded like he like you know scored a date or whatever. It, it but does that... does that cringe to watch. Like Is that the same um, uh, iteration in Germany that it would be in, in British culture to score? I mean, he has to be English, so I'm sure... The guy's born in Leeds, man. He's not that stupid, man. He, he speaks English. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he does. No, no, <laughs> it was hilarious, though. also... Uh, What's happening now is that, like, you know, in this, like, meme culture that we live in, like, the reporters, obviously, they're in that bubble. So they, they see that meme and they're like, you know, I'm interviewing him tonight. You know, how can I get myself viral? Can I get the get myself viral? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So obviously they, they get asking the, the dumbest questions they can. And I, I, I would say I feel bad for him, but he's also, like, he adds flames to the fire. Like, he answers them in the most... He knows what he's doing. He, like, he comes off a bit arrogant, though, you have I to admit. He just needs to say something like important three points and that conversation will kill itself. Importante tres points. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but he does come about, uh, across a bit arrogant, doesn't he? I don't know about arrogant. I, I just say confident. No, he's very confident. He just wants to win win games and score goals. Didn't also, he, arrogance is if you don't back it up. In my opinion, if you're scoring all those goals, you can be cocky, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you're all right. If you look at Ronaldo, he can be arrogant or cocky, or whatever you want to call it, yeah. because he's always scoring goals. He comes back from coronavirus and scores a brace. Yeah. Well, yeah, Neil Mopé had a bit of a stint yeah. of that, didn't he, as well, exactly. when he... And he scored a brace and then, yeah. Still cringing when he really referred to himself in the third person. Cristiano was back. It's like, yeah, all right, we know him. Well, that's what Zlatan does as well. Like, oh, he's a brand, Zlatan isn't he? Is that's why. Fair enough. But still, Zlatan doesn't Could have been CR7's now, back. We alluded this, to this one earlier, but our last debate point is going to be Ole Gunnar Sucks' future as Man United manager. Now, we can get into a new one's debate with this one, but I want to ask you a very simple question. Are you Ole in or are you Ole out, Dowd? Um. Um, Oli, 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 Oli in. <laughs> Oli in. I'm Oli in as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm Oli in. Oli yeah. Well. Liverpool fan. Oli I'm, Oli in. I'm Oli in. I'm in Woodward out, man. I would give him Podio's eight-year contract and uh, double that. I'm definitely Oli in, but not for the uh, like reasons. I genuinely yeah. think, like, uh, I don't think he's what is like firing him is not the solution. I think the problem with Man United, like, it goes much higher than the manager. Yeah, he should be doing more with that squad, and he should be doing more. He should be teaching them basic defending. Yeah, Bas- he should be doing Basic more. defending, not I don't think, three people on one. I think even if you sack him, though, those same problems are going to remain. Well, that's the thing for me. I think if you look at the like, the teams, you know, one thing you've always hear about Man United is like, do they need a sporting director? And I think that is definitely, definitely true. Like Woodward should not be anywhere near the transfers, man. Like, I don't know if he's like playing FM and he's doing well and he thinks he can do it in real life, but he certainly. But he's can't. not doing any of the FM signings. That's what I'm saying. Is he? Is he though? Cavani on a free. I mean, that's the most FM. That seems like an FM signing. That's it. No, man. That's just a. I don't know. It's just it's it's just a, 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 a like a, a scavenger find out of like um, every anything on the market. Oh, he's the best thing. Let's get him, and we don't have to put a lump sum down for him. It's not, man. It we should have we should have bought who we, who we needed for the squad. That's the first well, thing. That's exactly what I'm, my point. And is. we're not. We're just picking out bargains. But that's my point. Do you know what I mean? You should get a sp- look. Look at. I couldn't like, disagree more. With, with, I could not disagree more. Man United have spent so much money, not just on the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but for Mourinho, okay. for Van Gaal. Like they, spending money is not the problem. Big money signings is not the problem. But the wrong big money signings. Yeah, that's the wrong the big thing. money signings. Now, when you say wrong big money signings, I, I can't accept that as an argument. Because well, okay. when you talk about wrong big money signings, Di Maria is an amazing player. Paul Pogba is an amazing no, player. They're playing crap for Man United, but they're still good footballers. Watch, I'll tell you now. Every time you watch Pogba in a France shirt, he looks incredible again. Is that a coincidence? No, it's not. Di Maria went to PSG, looks incredible again. Is that a coincidence? No, it's not. I don't think that you guys are making the big wrong money signings. I just think that the football club is, not just from management point of view, but from a directorial point of view, a hierarchy, 
the project isn't good, the culture isn't good, and it's it's eroding into the way that they play on the pitch and the results that they achieve as a team. But, but I think that's what Doug was trying to say is that like yeah, it's not the the, the actual value of the transfer. It's it's who we're signing, and I, you could say yeah, Pogba and Di Maria probably they should have they're good enough to have worked at Man United. But I think a sporting director is definitely what they need, but and that's why I think Oli should Kodama, be. Kadama, what what I think is. Oli stays a Liverpool fan, but as a football fan, he, he should be gone. He should be nowhere near Manchester United. You know, you got you got Cardiff relegated, you know, and he was given a chance in the championship of Cardiff, you couldn't do any any good with him. On top of that, if you bring in a decent coach like Poch, Allegri, at least at least it could stable the bus or the car, whatever they want to use it. The engine's running, it's still running, it's getting near to and the end of the race. Anything with a wheel on. No, I, I agree. Look, there's definitely merit. Like, there's, there's issues definitely merit at the top. To the argument that he should be gone, but like the two reasons I think he should actually stay is one, I think sporting director like needs to come in like straight away, and then you replace the manager. Because to be honest, I don't think the available options that are out there now in Poch and Allegri would actually do that much of a better job. To be honest with you. Oh, I think they'll do better in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Definitely. I think they'll, uh, they'll they'll do better in Champions League football. They'll, They'll definitely do better in the Premier League with Poch or Allegri. They'll do better. They'll, they'll be organisation first do of better, all. They'll do better, but I don't think so they'll, they'll stop enough. conceding goals. I don't what? think they'll do enough like to what Man United aspire to. I mean... Yeah, Ma- that Manchester United's team. gone, man. That's, those are dinosaur times, but no one's talking about 2000, <laughs> I agree with that, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, their no, for their sure. standing is a club now. And I think, honestly, right, when you talk about Solskjaer getting third place finish, that's good enough to me. For a club like what they are, the squad that they got, that is definitely This is what Liverpool were going through 20 years ago. You right. know, Liverpool thought they were a big club there. Just keep on talking about history. They're not as now, Manchester yeah. United are going through this right yeah, now. Yeah, but they, they did the right things and they built upon it. Whereas, as every Man United fan no, will it say... It took 30 years to rebuild on it, if that's the case. But, but well, when did it start changing? Is when they brought in, like, you know, Michael Edwards and they started, like, well, the higher sports. up and it, like, trickled down. I don't think they should start on the dugout. I think they should start in the boardroom and then see the effects No, down but below. you remember, FSG bought the club in 2011. So before that, they were in administration, and they did so. Good, good so decisions. It was a change of ownership because it was forced upon. I don't think the Glazers would actually sell Manchester United or be forced to do it because they don't give us stuff. They see a cash cow, no, they and, don't, and they milk that cow so much. Yeah. So my take on it is that Oli and Oli outright. If you're going to bring in Pochettino tomorrow or Allegri, you might as well sack him because they're better. I think th- that's just a simple fact of it. They've got more proven records. And they've done it on a more consistent basis. But are, um, just to, just to finish off that, uh, my point there, I don't think Oli should be sacked based on his current record. Because, first of all, by the way, it's overblown. They've just lost a couple of games in the league. Yeah, in its early days, you could put a couple of wins together and you're looking all right. You're looking pretty at the top of the table, Champions League qualification. That's the first point. The second point is that his overall achievements for Manager aren't even that bad as well. FA Cup final, they didn't win that. Third place finish, that's not bad. Like and uh, he also had a, quite a nice winning run at the very beginning when he took over. You know when a whole Oli the wheel games. vibe was at its best, yeah. and uh, Ferdinand was rubbing his hands and the best clip of all time was created. You know, so for me, <laughs> it's 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 too extreme to say Oli out. It's the way that we play. It's too early in the season. The way that we play, and I know Jeff, you you hate the way that Steve Bruce plays, but yeah, he's doing pretty decently. And you you know people bring up the stats that oh he's doing better than Benitez did uh, um, in the season before. And it's the way that Man United are playing and the way that they're defending and you're just thinking... Okay, can I ask you a question? You're putting five past Leipzig and that's not good. Can I ask you a But this is the thing, Fernandez, um, even he comes out and says, 
the players aren't playing hard enough. There's definitely some kind of ego slash not enough discipline in the so Man United dressing room. When you're not happy with the way they're playing, are you talking about the style of the football or the effectiveness of the football or the work rate of the team? I'd say work rate of um, quite a lot of members of the team. So you're saying that under Oli, he's not getting the most out of the players work well, rate wise. I think any everybody can agree on this table yeah, that he's, he's not. Definitely, he's not doing he's something not, in training. Like he's not. He's not like you know after that Istanbul game, Meshak Shahir game. I doubt Oli's the guy that went into the changing rooms, you know, like to give them the, the hair dry treatment that like, you know. Oh, no, he's not. Have you seen how he came out with the 6-2 to Tottenham? He's timid like a, you know, yeah. like a school kid waiting for his dad to pick him six up. 6-1, oh, sorry. Make it sound good for you, Sam. Uh, yeah. I was trying to, I would hope. Yeah. But, um, but did you see the way he came out? I would be absolutely livid. I would yeah. be livid that my team lost 6-1 against the arch rivals. And... The way that we played as well, and it was just such easy goals. It was like people were turned off. They weren't switched on. That's why I'm just so peed off with certain members like Maguire. Just just get, put him on a sabbatical for six months. He's not doing well. We probably will do better without him. <laughs> Look, do you know what I mean? Twan Fosu Mensa, give him a chance. Dal, just remember this. Like, Oli Gunnar is just a cheerleader. He's a B-Tech P coach, really. Let's be a honest. B-Tech PE coach? Yeah. How underqualified do you have to be to be B-Tech? <laughs> He's pretty underqualified, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I, I agree with Jaffa on this one. I think it's too extreme to say Oli out at the minute. But, but Manchester United fans have been seeing this from after the PSG game. You know what it is? Let's I don't. I don't think any Manchester United fan is has got any problems with Oli Gunnar Solskjaer as himself. As, it's just the way that I think Oli Gunnar Solskjaer actually... Um, uh, expresses himself in post-match interviews and yeah. when results come through is that when we're really peed off and I think it's purely he he probably knows himself that he should be more angry but because of the backing of the board or other problems going on with how to deal with players I, I didn't realise how, how much um, uh, players deal dealt with the chairman so I, I definitely think that's probably part of the process as well um, so I think all, all those things we're just saying Oli out is probably because we need someone to get the results to get us to you know so we're not shamed as man united being in the bottom half right, of the club united bottom you know, half of the league you know like they want to win the league again ultimately and touch wood it never happens again but touch if, wood, if touch wood it happens but if that is to ever happen i, even I don't think any, you bring pocket you bring allegri in <laughs> like <laughs> you bring Pochin or you bring allegri in it's not happening and until you have someone overseeing the transfers other than Woodward. I mean, you look at, like, their two rivals, City and Liverpool, both operate with a director of football. Like, in this day and age, and that, the amount of money that teams have to spend in the market... And the signings that they've made. Yeah, I know. So, but I that's the... Don't... Uh, again, I'm going to disagree again. You're, you're focusing too much on individual players and signings. Man United have signed just as good a players as Liverpool uh, have in I recent disagree. years. I disagree. I disagree. I'll, I'll tell you, you something Falcao, now. Falcao, you nuts. I'll tell you something now. If Man United signed Sadio Mane when Liverpool did, Mane would be at Reading in the Championship right now. I'm telling you... There's, Something about that club that players just don't seem to do oh, well. They don't thrive. Well, well, let me ask you the question then. I know you answered it before. But like maybe so you're saying give Rashford... me a solution, right? Mm -hmm. Sorry, Sorry. it's an off. exaggeration. By but the way. if it's not the, I'm not saying it's the lack of transfers. I'm saying it's the personnel they bring in. It's not a balanced squad. Their defense to attack like strength is is shocking. To be honest, that back line, I wouldn't even have any of them bar maybe uh, Aaron Bissaka yeah. at Newcastle. So what is this? Like what is the problem then? You wouldn't even have Slabhead. I definitely wouldn't have Slabhead. <laughs> Slabhead, you, you could turn him around, man. Serious, War Jamal any day. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's a lot better. But uh, Wamba is, uh, yeah, he's yeah, only. Wamba is right, except going forward, he's about as useful as a wet, you know. Yeah, 
I mean, that's the only thing that's probably putting him um, not as the same level as uh, Alexander Arnold Trent. Yeah, I mean, he's great. He's great defending, but when it comes to going forward and front, putting crosses, I mean, he's not that good. Nah, he's not. Let's yeah. be honest. You got you got better players to do that. You got Reece James there. You got Kieran Trippier there. Not just Trent Alexander Arnold. Plus, you got Kyle Walker. Just remember that. Yeah. It seems yeah, like England have got a blessing of right backs we at the moment, haven't they? Yeah. Tariq Lamptey, oh, you haven't even mentioned. Uh, have you not seen Gareth Southgate putting like six fullbacks in his squad? Yeah. You're in the right back England's, position. If England's best players are fullbacks, might as well get them in. That's, I think that's the Southgate mantra. Yeah, yeah but then don't you, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> oh, Conte gets yeah. the best out of your, your wing backs and your right backs. But Jeff, like I know it goes against every fiver in your being to see United succeed, but if you were like given the ability to make a decision, like what, what do you reckon? How would you fix them? How do I fix them? Well, you're saying it's not the personnel they're bringing in. I was interesting to think, like, what is... is, I, I, is I mentioned that before. I said it's a hierarchy thing. Because I think... Oli, but what does that mean if it's not a sporting director? That doesn't change. If no, no, I'm with you on a sporting director. I'm talking about hierarchy things. You're right. The sporting director is definitely the way to go. Um, for Because the guy who's making the football decisions, they, they've got the money. They spend so much yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, I'm there's not saying no it's the money. I'm how they spend it. But you said yeah. they've got the... They said they've brought in plenty of good players. So like Sporting director is definitely one of them. And I do actually think that Oli's all right. But he definitely... I think what you said before, Ali, about... Allegri and Pochettino and whatever name that's better than only may become available in the future he's definitely replaceable I just think that his current record right now in his current circumstances isn't worthy of sacking but it could happen in the future if he gets but which big teams has he played against who would you sign then do you not sign anybody like you said but then what your team is good enough man what so we just basically need a new defending coach basically that's what, what we need a new defending coach because we can't even defend. Well, you don't need Harry Maguire you know, captain, first of all. It's the same squad that went on like a 20 game and beat and run and everyone was praising them to the heavens, man. This is what I'm but talking about. Arsenal, you guys are talking about Arsenal. players and individuals. It's not a player's thing. Man United no, I, I don't think that. They did have Arsenal. Arsenal like, drew like 15 of their 20 games or something. Or they talked about 49-49 undefeated again. Then they lose to Southampton or something like three yeah, years some, ago. Yeah, some winning runs aren't as impressive as they may seem. I do agree with you, Adam. But, but the praise they were getting, man. Like it wasn't, it was unbelievable. The same thing as his very first winning run with the Ollie at the wheel hype. Yeah, that that club just operates on extremes. Yeah, yeah, yeah we do. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it, the highs are really high, the lows are pretty low at the moment. Imagine your lows being so low, you reach an FA Cup final, and wow, like in the Champions League, I feel for you. I feel <laughs> yeah. for you. So we'll wrap that one up there, there, lads. Thanks a lot for the two debates and the Champions League discussion. Now I do want you to check out our socials. You've got Twitter and Instagram at the Dressing Room Nine, and the YouTube channel that's just the Dressing Room. And if you want to have a look at the written work, you've got the dressingroom.football website where we've got plenty of articles to check out. And yeah, we should be back next week, hopefully to discuss a little bit more football. It is going to be the international break, so it might have a little bit of a difference to it. And we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Cheers.